With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, here. Hang on one second. There's some sort of audio issue in my. I'm hearing the. It's echoing for me, so I don't know what's going on exactly. Let me figure this out. Go. Okay, here. I think I got it. All right, we're good. Some in an extra browser in the backup. Uh, it was playing, so I was hearing the audio twice with delayed. So that's what that was. We're back. Uh, off to intro. a great start. Yeah, I'll do the intro. Hello and. Welcome back to another episode of the On the Sideline podcast with Jackson and Kyle. I'm joined here, as always, by a man who did not screw up the beginning of this podcast. Kyle, Kyle, how are you doing? Uh, you know, not too great. Uh, listen, I was ready because I, my man Danny Ricardo won the Italian Grand Prix, and I thought today was going to be a good day. Then a whole bunch of stuff happened for me that didn't bounce my way. But football is back, which means some Buffalo Trace whiskey to celebrate that's a free plug it's good to be back though yeah i'm sure uh you better not be taking under, under the table deals and not giving me any of the cut of it kyle hey if buffalo trace wants to reach out uh, i'll take any sort of deal honestly <laughs> okay what, what if one dollar uh one dollar i'll do it one dollar <laughs> right. bottle that i can drink during the shows yeah sure there you go uh all right so we're already off the rails here horrible start to this (laughs) podcast uh but kyle this was a uh a crazy week i mean you have you know luke brown uh says fins up sorry kyle um you know he mentioned earlier what a crazy week one and that's exactly right i mean this was upsets galore here uh i don't know if i've ever been more wrong about one week of football than i was heading into this week there basically everything i thought was going to happen something different happened yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's like, you know, if you're going to be wrong one week, it might as well be week one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I gambled very poorly this week, too. It was a whole, you know, a whole disaster. And it was just, you know, really exciting games. But yeah, I mean, nothing that we really expected. Some teams really showed out that we weren't as high on. And just, you know, some some random stuff I thought happened. And I thought it was a really interesting game overall. And uh, yeah, I mean, just a really exciting week. It was, uh, you know, off the rails intro for us. It's an off the rails week for the NFL. Yeah, intros all around, very uh, unique. Uh, let's start off as always. If this is if you're new here, you know maybe you came along during the uh, off season or maybe just just your first time uh, with the podcast. Uh, what we always do is we start off with the Sunday night game and then we go through just in the order that I find most interesting and just recap all the games. And Kyle, I thought this was a surprisingly watchable game. 
Yeah, you know, everyone was quick to make jokes. And after the first possession, I thought it was pretty easy to, you know, throw the jo- throw the jabs there at Andy Dalton. Uh-huh. I didn't think he sucked in this game, especially yeah. going against last season's number one defense in the league. Uh, I didn't think he sucked. I don't think he sucked in this game at all. I thought he made some decent throws, but it was, you know, the Rams are really exciting, and I'm excited to watch this Rams team throughout the season. And right from the get-go, this team was going, and everything that we saw from Matt Stafford was everything that we heard about this offseason, how excited McVay was to work with him, how exciting this passing game was. And, um, yeah, the Rams looked really good. I thought the Bears, you know, looked good in spurts. The issues I have with the Bears are they're still kind of the same issues I have with the Bears from, you know, basically the offseason. They can't cover anybody. Uh, right. the, the the secondary, it doesn't even look like the secondary is bad. They also look soft. They don't want to come up and hit anybody, and they don't want to cover anybody downfield. So if you can't hit anybody and you can't cover anybody, what exactly are you doing back there? Um, I just thought it was a bad game overall from the Bears secondary, but I thought both offenses did some good stuff in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know how much, like, so it is just one game. So can we really put that much blame on the Bears secondary? But sort of like you said, it's not just one game because it's an extension of what we thought all like uh, you know off season and when we feel some way about in the off season and then that happens week one I'm gonna feel pretty strongly whereas if you know if I thought the Bears uh, if the Bears secondary was great this game I would probably be a little bit more wary of jumping onto that bandwagon or if I thought the Bears uh, secondary was gonna be great in the off season I'd probably be a bit more wary in saying that it, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought the secondary definitely struggled, but you know, like you said, it is week one, so we'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, though, I thought Dalton was fine most of the game. Um, the pick was obviously a really bad throw and a really bad mistake, especially after uh, you know, good kick return, good start from Montgomery, good drive right there. The pick was bad, but after that, he was kind of fine. You know, the fumble was on a fourth down, so it was basically the same thing as an incompletion, anyways. It wasn't really that, and he was you know hit while throwing too, so. It was a weird situation, but I mean, how, how did you feel about the the Justin Fields stuff? Like, I I, I thought it was insane. I, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, why are we? Like, uh, I get the the 49ers, They're trying to win a Super Bowl. I get their logic behind it. Like, they think it'll help their team. Uh, I thought the whole point of benching Justin Fields was that we're just we're gonna get him ready. Wait until he's ready to play. Well, if we're throwing him to the wolves now, then just have him start. Why are we having him play? You know, throw two passes. Just don't don't have him play. Yeah, I mean, I, I I simply just didn't get it because the, the times they brought him into were weird. Uh-huh. And it wasn't like there was like, oh, like if it's within two yards, this is we want fields in here because he's bigger, obviously, and all this stuff. It, it just was like kind of weird and like segmented how they brought him in and what they did with him. Um, it, w- it was very odd. It just seems like either play him or don't at this point. You're not doing like a whole lot of gadget stuff. You know, a couple of his plays were literally just drop back throws. And it's just like, okay, Mm -hmm. he can't do that 30 times a game. He has to only do it twice. I just, Uh yeah, it was really weird how they were doing it. Cause you know, the, the San Francisco stuff was at least like, you know, gadgety kind of situations and they wanted to, you know, give the team a different look. Mm -hmm. It just looked like they were doing the same stuff just with Justin Fields back there. Yeah, and uh, it almost makes me wonder to put on my tinfoil hat for a second. Was there is there something from like coming from upstairs, coming from the the ownership, saying, "Hey, like we got to get Justin Fields on the field a little bit. We got to give us give our fans something." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it has to be something. Um, you know, for the Bears, I think the positives is uh, you know, Damian Harris looked pretty good. That defensive line still made some plays. Akeem Hicks, you know. 
The issue is, is I just, I really feel like sometimes watching this team, it's Akeem Hick, Khalil Mack, and a bunch of scrubs. I really do sometimes. I mean, there's a couple other guys out there. I can't, you know, discount everybody. But, you know, the defense, I thought, made some plays on the line. I thought Montgomery looked good. I thought a couple of their skill guys looked pretty good in spurts. And I, I think you take that away if you're a Bears fan. What do you think of the Raheem Morris defense in this one? I thought it was good. I mean, again, it, it's 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 weird. It's it's hard to judge off of one game when you're playing the Bears. I would also say, you know, uh, the Bears do have Robert Quinn, who he's a guy. Uh, you know, some people like him, some people don't. Uh, he's had an inconsistent career, but uh, but but yeah, back to the Raheem Morris. I mean, I thought things looked good. I, I thought that Raheem Morris did the. You know, we'll talk about some of these new defensive and offensive coordinators coming in and getting a little too fancy with things and not just going with what guys before them had done. I thought that Raheem Morris did a good job of kind of saying, hey. The groundwork's been laid here. I don't have to do the hard stuff. I'm just going to, you know, see what's already been built and kind of, you know, call plays that way. I thought I thought he did a good job. Yeah. The one quick thing I noticed, I guess, was it seems like he's willing to move. You know, I think he did a little bit with Staley, but it seemed like he was willing to move Jalen Ramsey around the field a little more. And then I felt like he had a huge influence on that first half. He made some big plays in that one. And he was very good in this game. I thought the defense was good. And then obviously, you know, the passing game was fantastic with this team. Yeah, and then, I mean, of course, you know, Matthew Stafford, uh, 20 for 26, 321 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's just incredible efficiency, and if he can keep this up, I mean, he'd win MVP if he keeps this up. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good performances, but he was up there, too. I mean, and some of the deep balls, it's just like, it's not even just that he hit the deep balls, but throwing it with power and in stride, I mean, it was just, you know, peak Stafford back there doing those things. It was it was pretty good to watch, and... uh you know, that's exactly why you go and trade for that guy. So it was an impressive game, no doubt. Yeah, and he had some sidearm throws too. A lot of fun stuff. Uh, yeah. Ready to move on. Yeah, we can move on from that one. All right. We got to talk about it, Kyle. We got to bring it up. Dolphins <sighs> beating the Patriots. This looked like a replay of the Bills game from last year where Newton fumbled. Dolphins up a point. So to set the stage, Miami up one, but... You have the ball. It was, it's what? First and goal, uh, a Damian Harris fumble, who was having a good game up to that point. Just just a back-breaking loss right there. Yeah, I mean, it really sucked. I mean, honestly, there's no other way to put it because this is the team I thought could potentially win 10 to 12 games, and I still think it can win 10 to 12 games. But, I mean, let's, I don't want to go full homer on this, but... Go full homer. We were a better team in this game. I All mean, right. Look at the yardage, look at the time of possession, look at everything about it. I mean, we were a better team in this game. We were a better team. We controlled the ball, we controlled the tempo, but we got killed in the red zone where, you know, you give credit for Miami for making the plays when they need to, but we had a rushing touchdown from Harris that was called back and negated by a holding call that was on the far side of the offensive line, not even in the play. We had, obviously, the fumble at the end of the game. Ramondre Stevenson, you know, on the second drive of the game, Fumbled the ball too, and that was a bad one. And he actually kind of looked down, but it was a close play, so they can't overturn that. Can't complain mm-hmm. about it. The Dolphins also didn't really capitalize on it, so you know, not much effect on the game. But still, it just like you know, I thought we were the better team in this game, and it just stinks to lose games when I feel like we're better. And it's just there's no other way to say it. I thought Mac played really well. I thought he made good tr- throws. Uh, people are saying he just checked down the ball a lot. It, I mean. I thought what he did really impressive was he recognized the blitz basically right away. And then he threw where the blitz was. And then he did that basically the entire second half of the game. And it was really impressive. And then when they ran play action, he was able to get those intermediate throws, whether it was a, you know, 
Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar. Um, you know, I thought they did a really good job with that. I thought the offense moved the ball really well, but you got to finish in the red zone. You can't go one for four in the red zone, and that cost them this game. They made some mistakes when they needed it most. Uh, Tua, or I guess I'll go. You want to talk about the Patriots first, and then we can go to the Dolphins side. Yeah. So again, I, I looking up the the stat sheet. Definitely, basically every single statistic does favor New England. They had more total yards, more passing yards, more rushing yards, more yards per play, more first downs. They were 11 for 16 on third downs. That's great efficiency there. Uh, or on, yeah, third down efficiency, uh, 11 for 16. Uh, the, the one thing is, you know, they fumbled the ball four times. They've recovered two of those, but that's a huge, uh, huge issue right there, just putting the ball on the ground. And again, it's one of those things where how well does that carry over? Typically, game to game, that doesn't seem to carry over. Although the flip side is, well, Miami's been doing this for like over two seasons now. So yeah. to some degree, it does carry over. Yeah, because we keep saying this with Miami. It's like, oh, they're due for regression because you can't just create turnovers all the time and expect to recover a bunch of fumbles. Mm -hmm. But they create a bunch of fumbles. Now, the first one was... Mac Jones like tried to spike a ball that he was getting sacked and he basically lateraled it. Yeah. Um, it was the goofiest play. We recovered it luckily. And then all of a sudden he was way better after that. Um, mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, that was one weird play, but I, yeah, I mean, you give them credit for making the plays, the play Xavier Howard made for not only getting into the pile to grab the ball from Damian or Damian Harris, but also rip it out like that was really impressive. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you give Miami credit, but at the same time, I I feel like if under a lot of the same circumstances, I feel like New England wins that game more than they lose that game. It's just frustrating that they lost. You give credit, obviously, to Dolphins for winning. Um, they did a well, good let, job of capitalizing it. Let me push back a little bit. Let's, let me play devil's advocate. Couldn't you say, though, one of the things that Miami was able to do, and they didn't do this a ton, but they had a couple of – plays where they got the ball down the field. You know, there was, I believe yes. it was a Jalen Waddle play, a Devontae Parker play. That wasn't really with uh, New England. They had one kind of deeper pass, like a 25-yarder or so. But for the most part, uh, and again, it's possible I missed it because uh, NFL game pass has been stupid. So I, I, my uh, watching, it was a little bit weird today as opposed to last year. But uh, I didn't see the chunk plays. And is could this be sort of a, well, the Patriots on a per-play basis won the Dolphins had these splash plays that allowed them to end up with the higher final score. Yeah, and the, you know the two drives they scored touchdowns on were because they were basically able to connect on a couple big plays, and that was the big thing for them. And you know they were able to hit those, and it it wasn't even like you know great decisions. It was just winning one on one battles, especially with Stephon Gilmore not there. Devontae Parker went up and got a ball, and then uh, Jalen Waddle went up and got a ball too late uh, earlier in the game as well. So it's just you know they discipline those were the two big things and uh you know i thought the offense helped to a lot more um i still think he made a couple bad throws particularly the interception yeah where he didn't have the arm strength to get hit and throw it away uh but you know mm -hmm. i thought overall you know i thought he looked better than he did it as a rookie because you know the offense was better suited for him it wasn't that chan gailey offense they played with a lot of pace in this game and you know he was quick with making decisions especially when he was looking for parker on those quick slants yeah, I mean, th that interception was insane. And maybe uh, the weird thing, too, was it was third and seven. So what are you even doing at that? Like, go down, take the sack. I mean, mm -hmm. if if you're going to throw it, you got to make sure you throw it, you know, get it out of bounds. And maybe it, he even was trying to, trying to make a completion. I don't know. 
that was just a a horrible mistake, and he got bailed out big time with the fumble on the ensuing drive. Because if if the Dolphins lose that game, if the Patriots kick a field goal and win that game, uh, we're feeling way differently about Tua, who I actually thought had a pretty decent game. I mean, he he wasn't afraid to take chances the way he was uh, as a rookie a couple times. But again, just a horrible decision there. And if you're going to be the guy who was a game manager, you can't make those mistakes. Although again, outside of that, I thought he played well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, uh, he just made a mistake. It was simple as that. Mm -hmm. He, he couldn't, he got hit and he should have just went down with the ball. I thought he played pretty well overall. He had another throw that McCourty probably should have picked and dropped. And then he had another ball on deep pass that he had his guy pretty open too. And he just sailed it into the sideline and it just looked like there wasn't the arm to make it there, but overall it was good throws. And, um, he looked mobile too. He looked like he could move a little bit and that was really helpful. So, you know, you give credit to them. It was a good game and a, you know, good win for the Dolphins, you know, proving that they can just continue to create turnovers and make plays. They, they were the better team in that regard. Yeah. I feel this might end up being a very long podcast because we're, we're going, taking a lot while on these, but I, I want to, I have a couple more thoughts I have. Uh, first, I just want to know, uh, you know, thoughts on Mac Jones. Uh, that's kind of the, the big, the key thing here. How are we feeling about Mac Jones? Uh, I feel really good. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no other way to put it. I mean, we knew exactly everything that he did is exactly what we saw in college and what we expected based on the tape. He's yeah. really good at reading defenses. He's really good at recognizing blitz and moving protections for a rookie. You know, that's impressive. He's really good at moving in the pocket, which did a lot in this game, too. And he's really good at finding the um, he's really good at finding the short and intermediate throws. He places the ball really well, too. He he had one, too, where they basically blitz up the middle. And John Smith basically turned out and ran a hitch and there was a guy on his right side and he just threw it perfectly to the left where Smith could basically catch the ball and turn around the defender and run. And he just had stuff like that all game that I was really impressed with. You want to get a little more vertical, especially with a guy like Aguilar, but it was just clear with Miami secondary with Jones and Howard out there. They just felt like they weren't, they weren't really wanting to do that. I think there will be more vertical passing later in the season, but I just think with first game against Jones and Howard, they weren't looking to challenge them like that. And I thought they did a good job and they, they set them up for success. Yeah. All right. Final point before we can move on to another game. So obviously, as we know, Tom Brady left the New England Patriots. Is it possible that this, you know, go, he went to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If this Patriots game isn't exactly out of the, you know, three years ago Buccaneers playbook of losing a game, I don't know what is. Have uh, Has the Buccaneers curse gone on to the New England Patriots? Are they destined to lose games in horrific fashion the way Tampa Bay did for nearly two decades? Well, I certainly hope not. <laughs> so, All right. We'll, well, I guess we'll there we go. <laughs> don't even want to th- think about it. We'll move no, on. No, I do not. Uh, something that I'm sure Packers fans don't want to think about here. Uh, although on the other on the flip side, Packers being very smart, they you know it's a copycat league. The the Buccaneers lost to the Saints 38 to three last year in the regular season. Uh, Packers saying, hey, that's the Super Bowl formula: lose to the Saints 38 to three in the regular season. Uh, what Kyle? What the hell happened here? Uh, they were bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there was really no other way to put it. I mean, I. I didn't have too much eyes to this game because obviously the Patriots game was on and also the Browns and Chiefs were on my other TV. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it just it, it seemed like every time I flipped over to this game, the Saints had the ball. They couldn't sustain any drives because they couldn't establish a running game. They couldn't throw the ball downfield except for, I think, Adams had one really good catch on like a 40-yard pass. But there was mm-hmm. just nothing downfield. This Saints defense was terrific in this game. They created a lot of turnovers and... 
I mean, Jameis, you know, he made the throws he needed to, but he had probably the goofiest stat line I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. He had 155, um, you know, he had 155-yard touchdown pass, and then the rest of the game he had like 93 yards and four touchdowns. <laughs> like, how, mm-hmm. how ridiculous is it to see something like that? Yeah, his final stat line ends up being 14 for 20, 148 yards, five touchdowns, uh, a very bizarre. And I thought he looked good. Uh, and I actually think that there, it, this offense kind of looks scary. I mean, the Saints as a whole. I mean, listen, we talked about we've talked about this all the time is no team makes an opposing quarterback look worse than the Saints. Uh, when the Saints are on, it, nothing's getting open downfield. And you're just like, man, you know, why isn't my quarterback throwing the ball? Well, they can't. I do feel like what reminded me, my thought watching this game was you think about when the Buccaneers played the Saints in the playoffs and, you know, very similar uh, Saints team. And what Tom Brady did was, despite how frustrating it was of not getting anything going early on, he never made the mistake. He never turned the ball over. Aaron Rodgers had really two just bad interceptions in this one. And that's what turned it, at the, you know, at the time, it, during both of those interceptions, it was only a two-score game. It was 17-3. to three. He makes those, you know, the second one was just like a frustration one where he just heaves it up there. The first one it was also kind of a, he's trying to do too much. Uh, you got to sometimes play it safe. And it's different because, again, uh, you know, the, in, in the playoff game, the Buccaneers defense was playing well against the Saints offense. This wasn't happening either. So he had to make stuff happen. So it's a little different. But still, you can't turn the ball over there. You just can't do that. Yeah. Bad decisions. The first pick was just I, – I didn't understand what he was trying to accomplish there. At that point, you just got to mm-hmm. go down and live to fight another day. Um, it was a very unrogers like just play because he doesn't make those mistakes. It was just something simple, it seemed like, and he just slipped up on it. I didn't understand it. But, I mean, I don't know. Overall, the Packers were bad. I'm not going to write off the Packers all of a sudden and say it's over. Obviously, with the offseason storylines of everything with Rodgers saying, like, I don't want to be here, all this, looking mm-hmm. awful in week one is not promising. But at the same time, I'm not writing this team off because there's just too much talent. And they've won 13 games each of the last two seasons. So I think they're going to be fine. But it certainly isn't how you want to start your season. I felt like this was more of a testament to the Saints than I'm knocking the Packers, though. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about the Packers one, one a little bit longer, then we'll get to the Saints. Uh Monday Night Football next week is the Lions-Packers, which why are the Lions on Monday Night Football? Schedule makers, get it <laughs> together. Uh, but Lions-Packers, Monday Night Football, uh, over under, you know, three and a half touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> probably over at this point. He's yeah. probably just going to come back with the vengeance. He loves mm-hmm. beating the Lions too, so. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean. it. it and you got to factor in, it's the Lions on Monday Night Football, so some horrible b- bad call is going to go against Detroit. That's going to factor in. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you, you you probably still feel pretty good about this team if you're the Packers based on, you know, not only just how how much talent's on this team, but based on the rest of the NFC North too. Right, right, yeah. I mean, although if, if they, they lose to the Lions, then you might need to start getting worried. Uh, talk about the Saints a little bit more. Uh, you know, I just, I have a few, it's, it just seems like such a perfect fit of Jameis Winston. He has these this awkwardness. Like one of his touchdowns, there was a wide open tight end and he waits like three seconds and then waits until he's like completely covered and then makes the throw and the tight end goes up and makes the grab. So it's kind of like that weird thing. But the flip side is with Sean Payton getting guys so open, he can be a little bit awkward. He can make these sort of odd stuff happen. And so there's a bit more room for error than he's ever been used to. And I think that could be a huge benefit to him this season. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely in the perfect situation. I mean, there's not another, there's, 
not many coaches that are better for quarterbacks than Sean Payton. And he's putting mm-hmm. him in a position to succeed. And even without Michael Thomas out there, there's still a ton of talent. I thought, you know, he spread the ball around pretty good in his limited number of throws. Uh, Kamara, I mean, my my affinity for Kamara is already well known. Uh, mm-hmm. He barely played the fourth quarter, but he was awesome in this game. Uh, Harris obviously hit the big play. Everyone was excited for Marquez Callaway. He basically did nothing, mm-hmm. but he still, you know, got the talent. I thought Troutman made a few good plays too. You know, there's just guys across this roster that can make plays, and you know, he's just getting them the ball and letting them do that. Yeah, and then the flip side, I mean, their defense shut down the Packers, so uh, which was the best offense in the league last year. So a lot of reasons for optimism for the Saints, and you know, I was kind of hoping the Saints would go out with a whimper here. Uh, no, 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 no chance. Uh, this is a very good team still. Yeah, I guess the one thing you have to look at for the Saints going forward is because I guess Lattimore's having wrist surgery now. He managed okay. to post game get a contract extension and then get scheduled for wrist surgery. So I don't know how that happened, but he had a busy post game. And that's what I heard. I think is what I heard. I got to look that up, but we can move on to the next game while I look into that. All right. Yeah. Maybe chat. Let us know. Uh, so we'll talk about this one. Browns chiefs. We, we co- sort of called this the game we were all looking forward to. It ended up living up to the, the bell there. It was probably the best game with, uh, to me, you know, I, I'm going to say it like, I said the Browns were the best team in football. These are two championship contending teams. That's just what I felt like when I saw these two teams playing. Is These are two teams that either one of them could win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Wishing B is right, by the way. It was a thumb injury, but they don't think it's going to keep them out long term. So uh, anyway, going back to this game here. Yeah, I mean, I watched this game and felt like it was the best two teams in the AFC still. I still see mm-hmm. these two teams playing down the line in the playoffs. I thought Cleveland looked really poised and really good in the first half of this game, first three quarters of this game. They moved the ball exceptionally well. It looked like they were just unguardable at points. Um, And then the fourth quarter, things kind of got derailed. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, Mahomes came out with some big plays, which is what Patrick Mahomes does. But I think if you're the Browns, you have to look at the mistakes he made in this game. Obviously, the punt fumble thing was obviously, you know, a little beyond your control. Um, but then you're looking at like the Baker interception was bad and it just kind of things just kind of slowed down for them. And they they didn't get going again in the fourth quarter when everything was working for them in the first half. It's just like it just seemed like Chris Jones wanted to take over this game and they just let him do it. And Chris Jones bullied them in the fourth quarter. He really dominated this game and got the pack or the got some stops. Yeah, well, uh, I mean. Yeah, so people are going to blame the defense for this, but I think the the glaring stat to me is only seven points in the second half for Cleveland. I mean, that that feels like that's kind of how they were able to get shut down a little bit. And again, the numbers for for Cleveland are incredible. You look at the efficiency numbers, they they had 8.2 yards per play total. Baker Mayfield had over 10 yards per attempt. Uh, You know, both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt over five yards per carry, but... Towards the end of the stretch, they just there was a couple of drives where it just kind of stalled, and that was all Kansas City needed. Kansas City's going to get those deep shots. I don't care if they're going up against the eighty-five Bears; they're going to get plays down the field. You have to keep scoring to beat them. You know that's what Tampa Bay did in the Super Bowl, right? Obviously, their defense shut them down, but their their offense also you know had long drives and kept them off the field. Cleveland just wasn't really able to do that down the stretch. You you cannot get less. I know they got twenty nine but you cannot less get less than 30 points and expect to beat the Kansas city chiefs. And it has to be a sustained mm-hmm. four four quarters. You know, that's just what this team is. And I hope this doesn't become like a, you know, uh, 
a thing like, can we get over this hump that is Kansas City? But I think it's something that every team in the AFC is looking at now is this is the benchmark for what we have to be. And it means our offense has to be good enough to score with this team because it doesn't matter how many free agents you side on defense. You know, obviously the Harrison thing, you know, was bad and he got ejected. Mm -hmm. And then I think Johnson was off for a little bit of time too. But it doesn't matter how many free agents you sign and how many guys you put on the secondary and all that. They're going to get theirs. They're going to get their points. And obviously Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Mahomes are going to find ways to make plays. So you have to keep scoring. It's a four-quarter effort, really. Yeah, and we should mention uh, no Odell Beckham Jr. I'm sure some people think that that's a good thing. Uh, I, I still think the offense is better with Odell on the field. I think having an elite wide receiver on the field helps. <laughs> and and uh, we also should mention, you know, we talk about the, you know, the total yardage stats in the Dolphins uh, Patriots game. Well, the Browns had most of those as well. Now, passing yards, they had 20 less than Kansas City, but they ended up uh, total yards 457 to 397. Uh, yards per play was way better at 8.2 to 6.5. So uh, the key thing here, again, third downs. Uh, Chiefs 9 for 13 on third downs. Browns 2 for 7 on third downs. I do think that it feels like if these two teams play each other 100 times, no one's winning more than 55 times. These feel like they're they're great teams right now. Yeah, they're pretty evenly matched. And uh, yeah, I'd be curious on those draw or those yardage totals. How much was on Browns in the first half compared to the second half and how that balanced out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, overall, <clears throat> I guess we'll go to the Chiefs side. Mahomes is terrific. Yeah, uh, whatever, I think yeah. The, I think the one thing about the Chiefs, though, is uh, I guess we'll talk about this real quick, is that, uh, you know, I think the one thing you're worried about if you're the Chiefs, while you still think, OK, we can still get 30 on anybody and still win a bunch of games. The issues and the worries you had with the Chiefs, I felt like, are still there. Um, I felt like none of the third options beyond Kelsey and Hill really made any impact in this game or really made any like significant plays. And then this defense still kind of feels like Chris Jones or bust to me. You know, this secondary, especially with Matthew out in this game, this secondary couldn't guard anybody, it seemed like, for the first three quarters and obviously Mike Hughes came up with the interception, but overall it was just like, they, it just seemed like they couldn't cover for large stretches of this game. And I still think there are some worries with the chiefs. They're not invincible, but at the same time, obviously when you have the top end talent that they do, it obviously helps. Yeah. I mean, they also, you know, uh, Cleveland ran uh, all over them a bit as well. And Again, Tyreek Hill, uh, quietly 197 yards. Uh, and no one's really talking <laughs> about that because he's Tyreek Hill. Best weapon in the league. I can continue to say it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. This was another surprise to me. Not a huge surprise that this team won, but especially the way they won. Cardinals, 38. Yeah. Titans, 13. I mean, we both had the Titans winning this game. I thought I felt pretty good about the Titans going into this game, and it, it was just a complete opposite. I mean, this was just, uh, you know, domination by the Arizona Cardinals on both sides of the ball. That defensive line's nasty. Like, we kind of thought it'd be mm-hmm. good, but actually seeing it play is just like, obviously everyone's looking at Chandler Jones with those five sacks, which, by the way, Taylor Lewan is not going to want to watch this tape too often. No. And it, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't even just that Taylor Lewan was getting beat. It's like he had no chance. He had no chance against Chandler Jones on half of these sacks. He just had zero opportunity to make a play on this. He was just by him. Um, and then, you know, J.J. Watt didn't quite have the stat sheet that Chandler Jones had, but I thought he was fantastic in this game, especially defending Henry in the first half. Henry was held to nine yards in the first half. I mean, when do we see stuff like that? 
Derrick Henry held the nine yards and a half. Um, I mean, it was just really good. Kyler is obviously a wizard when he has the ball. Uh, made some amazing plays in the backfield, extending plays, uh, hitting do- uh, Hopkins down the field. I think this is another team where, yes, Christian Kirk had two touchdowns, and that was good. But you you continue to say, who's the next guy? Is it him? Is it Chase Edmonds? You know, I think you're a little worried about that. But at the same time, you just dropped 38, so you're feeling good. Right. I mean, yeah. And, and again, DeAndre Hopkins is is incredible. So you have that. And yeah, the Chandler Jones thing. I mean, listen, uh, you know, I, I am a believer in edge rusher being uh, overrated. Well, you know when it's not overrated? When you get five <laughs> sacks. Okay. If you get five sacks consistently, then I'll, I'm, I feel, I'll, I'll pay you $28 million a year. No doubt about it. Because, uh, I mean, that's, again, could this be the Chandler Jones defensive player of the year season? It seems like he's always been kind of uh, you know, in the conversation, but never the guy. Well, he's he's certainly off to a good start. I mean, if he just has a regular Chandler Jones year from this point on, he'll probably end up leading the league in sacks. I mean, yeah, he's off to a good start. So, I mean, that'll help. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a just interesting performance. I thought it was really, it was really fun to watch that defensive line work. Uh, it really helped what I thought, you know, is a secondary that I thought looked better than I expected. Um so that I think that's some positives you take away from it. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, from Arizona's side, I think you're just ecstatic with this. I mean, the NFC West is 4-0. The NFC West mm-hmm. is 4-0, and you're one of those teams that are 1-0 right now. And you look every bit as capable as all those other teams right now based on that defensive line and having this super talented quarterback that made a bunch of plays in this game. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Malgoza says, how come they don't read the comments? Uh, Jake Thornton responded saying they read the comments. My jokes bring joy into their lives. Very true, Jake. Very true. Uh, no. Yeah. Well, so let's just start here. I think Well, not start here. We're midway through it, but let's uh, continue here. Are we willing to say Kyler Murray is taking the next step up? I mean, this is kind of when I talked about the Cardinals, I kind of said, I'm not sure if they're a playoff team because I think Kyler Murray would have to be a tier one or tier two quarterback. Will he play like that today? Uh, and again, maybe it's the Titans defense making him look better. Uh, maybe it's not. Also, uh, we have a super chat as a Titans fan. Anyone have some aspirin? Uh, 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 condolences uh, to all our Titans listeners for sure. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, are we willing to say like, again, it's one game, but let's just, let's just say what happened. Kyler Murray looked awesome in this one. Yeah, I mean, he was really good. He looked at, you know, when we talked about, you know, guys looking fantastic in week one, he was definitely one of them up there with Stafford, Mahomes, all those guys, and perhaps even better at times. I mean, the pick wasn't a good throw, but at the same time, you live with that if you're going to have five touchdowns too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, we'll continue to see and we'll continue to watch this to see if he's making that tier one level. But obviously, you know, you you have to think that he played like a tier one quarterback today. Uh, he looked really good. Yeah, uh, and again, the next two games to play the Vikings and the Jaguars before then playing the Rams, so maybe it's a chance to uh, build up some stats. Uh, it did feel a little bit like, I, I felt like the Titans missed Arthur Smith in this game. I thought that, again, kind of the issue with the Titans is it seems like when they can stick to their script, they're very good. When they get off their script, that's when things become an issue. And very quickly on, Derrick Henry wasn't having success, and I was kind of like, isn't this why you brought in Julio Jones to be someone who when the off and when the running game isn't working quite as well, you can sort of say, okay, we're going to start running quick passes. We're going to start running man beaters, get guys open that way. We'll be a passing team. They didn't really do that. They were still trying to get this deep stuff down the field, even with their offensive line getting crushed. And it's like, Hey, when you have plays that are going to take over three seconds to run, 
you need at least a play action in there, but play action's not working. So maybe just don't do that stuff right now. Yeah, I mean, it was a bad, it was a really bad game from the offensive line. I don't think they're going to mm-hmm. face defensive lines like this all season, but obviously not the start you wanted. I thought well, Ryan when they play Tannen- Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Jacksonville. Uh, uh, I thought, um, you know, Tannehill looked like Miami Tannehill at points, putting ball. Uh, putting balls on the ground, just making, you know, I thought yeah. he made some mistakes. He wasn't good in this. No, one. he was bad. He, he had a bad game. Um, I still believe, I mean, I guess let's put it this way. Are, are you feeling concerned for the Titans after one game, or do you still feel like this team can be fine once they figure things out and the new play caller figures some stuff out? A little bit. I, w- I would say a little bit. I mean, I'm not willing to p- press the panic button, but I think I'm willing to say, hey, uh, where is the panic button again? I think that that's where I'm at. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I still think, you know, Derrick Henry is still going to have his 1,500-yard season. You know, mm-hmm. he ended up getting to 58 in this game. But, yeah, I mean, I still think there's some things that they got to work out in the passing game. they got to find ways to get these guys more touches. There's no way that you should end games with Brown on four catches and uh, what did Jones have, three? Three, you know? yeah. There, there's no – I know they had 14 targets, but you got to find ways to just get them easy targets, easy catches, and some yards. That's the reason why you bring those guys in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in terms of stuff like that, like Julio Jones, I'm not willing to say, oh, he's washed up. It's one game. Uh, I'm not willing to go crazy about that. And I thought that Henry did have some good carries. So I think just, you know, relax a little bit. We'll see what they're able to do next week. Um, let's move on now to we got an overtime game. Thought we might have a tie. It was we were a missed field goal away from a tie. Uh, Vikings Bengals. This was a such a Vikings game. Why do the Vikings keep? Why do I keep believing in Minnesota? They're, they're this is what they do every year. Is there? There's so much talent, and it took them to like the fourth quarter to be like, oh hey, maybe we should start throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Maybe we should, maybe that's a good idea. Um, yeah, I mean this team, this team honestly sucked for a lot of this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, I was this this was the team I also thought could be a bounce back candidate. This offensive line looked horrible against the Bengals. Like, I mean, yeah. let's put it this way. I I thought the Bengals actually looked good in spurts in this game. I thought they actually mm-hmm. looked like a decent football team. Maybe we need to reevaluate who the Bengals are this season. But at I the agree. same time, based on who the Bengals, who we thought the Bengals were, Minnesota just looked like they didn't want to compete in this game. And there was just stretches where it was the same stuff, where the cornerbacks looked bad. They looked lost on plays. The Jamar Chase touchdown, the, the corner from what I saw looked lost on that one. And then it was just... Mistakes from the offensive line. Kirk Cousins looked uncomfortable because he was getting, you know, rushed by the pat. He was getting killed by the pass rush all game until the fourth quarter where they really needed to start coming back. And they just started flinging the ball downfield. And that's when this offense started looking decent. Well, I think let's not, you know, offensive line tends to be the scapegoat in a lot of issues. And it wasn't a great game, but there were some other issues here. I mean, for one thing, uh, I think it was at one point, I could be wrong. I think it was a third down and eight. It might've been a second down and 10 or something. And they're, you know, Kirk Cousins is lined up under center and is doing like an eight step drop. And so it's like, okay, yeah, there's going to be pressure here when you have a, again, a three plus play sec, uh, play that you need to have developed. Like these things are going to happen. And there were some issues where Cousins started getting under pressure and he just sort of panicked. And it was a weird panic. Cause it's not like he started running. He just like one play, he literally put his left hand on an offensive lineman's back and just kind of stood there until he got sacked. It's just like, you need to play with a little bit more urgency, and it just seems like this is a team that doesn't know, and this is my biggest worry heading in. It's like they just don't know how to utilize all of this talent that they have on their roster. You have Thielen, you have Jefferson, you have Dalvin Cook, and 
you're still not really able to do to you know 24 points and 10 of those came late in the fourth quarter which we should give them credit for that what they did and again we should give cincinnati credit that they played surprisingly well on def- defense all that stuff is true but this is the team that we thought talent wise should have the ability to overcome even a good defensive performance and i think they you know they just didn't look good there's no, no getting around it yeah and we'll see you know We'll see if this new the uh, Kubiak taking over the play calling duties. If he gets you know throughout the season, if he gets more comfortable and figures some things out, if this gets better. Mm-hmm. But you're certainly not impressed with this game losing to a team like this, who's you know been one of the worst teams in the league the past couple of years. I mean, there's no other way around it. That's what the Bengals have been the last few years. I thought the Bengals were impressive in this game at times, but at the same time, this isn't a game Minnesota should be losing if they're looking at themselves as a playoff team. Yeah, and we should mention. There was a very questionable call on they got the ball on the outside of field goal range in overtime. They were inside Cincinnati's 40. Many thought that uh, Dalvin Cook was down. Uh, it was ruled a fumble on the field. The call stood. So that's kind of football. I, I think that's why you don't go into overtime and, you know, punt on your first drive. Like you, you have to do better than that. But that, that we should mention that. Yeah. No, I agree. And, um, you know, I also want to give credit to the guy who actually, you know, ripped that ball out, whether it was down or not. Jesse Bates, mm-hmm. really good in coverage in this game, too. I thought he was really impressive. Yeah. And also, I mean, so I guess Jamar Chase is seeing the football a little bit better. Uh, he had over 100 yards in this one. And Joe Burrow, uh, again, part of why the Cincinnati Bengals have been so bad these past two years is, you know, they only had Joe Burrow for about five of those games or maybe like 10 of those games. 20 for 27, 261 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, great efficiency, and didn't turn the ball over. Uh, you're going to win a lot of games when you're getting nearly 10 yards per attempt while not turning the ball over. Yeah, I mean, Burrow was – I thought Burrow was really good in this game. I thought Mixon had a really good game too in, you know, at times. And mm-hmm. I thought uh, Chase, you know, like you said, no problem without the white stripes today. He was really good. Yeah. All right. Uh, we can move on. And again, I don't want to seem like I want to give the Bengals their due. I, I thought what they did on offense was really good. And I actually thought Minnesota's defense played pretty well. I uh, just, again, I felt like the Vikings offense didn't do what I expect them to do. That's all. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if it's sustained sec- success for the B- Bengals. Obviously, uh, you know, it's good to get the win and get off the right foot. I saw things that I liked about this team, but you know, I also know who the Bengals have been the past couple of years. So maybe, you know, if they get a couple wins under their belt, we'll reevaluate this team. But right now, you know, we'll see what happens with them. They look good today, though. Yeah. And again, that's that's sort of the fun of week one, right? Sometimes you see something that looks good and then it ends up being an actual great story. Sometimes it's the Jaguars upsetting the Colts last year and we're all like, oh, wow, the Jaguars are good. No, they lost 15 straight. So I was just uh, about to say the Jaguars looked good week one last year. So Yeah, uh, they did not look good week one this year. Uh, let's talk oh. about Jacksonville. Let, let Regulate the Jaguars. Uh, get them out of the NFL. What are, what are they doing? Uh, so do we have to talk about this game? <laughs> I so want to the, talk about this game. It's, yeah. it's insanity. Did the, Texans, did the Texans hit the over on their win total yet? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I think one of the things we kind of took for granted with this team, like, is there a ton of talent in this Texans team? Obviously not. But it's a lot of vets. It's a lot of guys mm-hmm. who know how to play football and who have been in the league. You know, this isn't like, you know, a this isn't like a young rebuilding team with a bunch of rookies on its roster. These are guys who are veteran players and who aren't really going to care about tanking either. And they didn't look like they cared really this week. They came out and blitzed the Jaguars. The Jaguars looked, 
I mean, the Jaguars looked like they weren't ready to play this week. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. like this was Urban Meyer the biggest loser of week one, like especially of the new coaches. He just looked like he wasn't prepared to coach a football game today. Yeah, it was it was tough. Um, again, anytime your rookie quarterback in his first start is throwing the ball fifty one times, uh, maybe you're you're not doing this exactly properly. Uh, Kyle, the Houston Texans are leading their division. <laughs> I I know. <laughs> Incredible. They're alone as first in the uh, AFC South. I wonder how long this will last. Um, so let's start with the Jaguars. We will then give some credit to the Texans. Uh. So I thought one of the things that I think was a big difference is the difference between Terod Taylor and Trevor Lawrence of Taylor clearly knew how to handle attacking a bad defense. I don't think Lawrence did necessarily. I think Lawrence, we thought was this was going to be the case heading into week one. Uh, I've, you know, I, I, I feel like I've kind of been on this a little bit. Uh, there's going to be some growing pains of him. And listen, he had over 300 yards. Uh, he threw the ball 51 times. That's a big part of it. Three touchdowns, three interceptions. We saw the good. He's going to have to clean up the bad. I'm not worried long-term, but it's also fair to say, like, like yeah, he had three interceptions. He thought he could make every throw. This is something I talked about going into the NFL, and it's something he's going to have to clean up. Yeah, and I think he still will clean it up, but you obviously, you know, you can't make those throws, obviously, when you want to win football games, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that obviously hurt them this week. I guess the question I have then is, you know, is this team putting him in for success? If, like you said, if he's going back to pass 51 times, are they putting him in like a position to succeed? I don't think so. I mean, again, it's weird because, you know, you went down. I mean, they gave up 27 points in the first half. So, it's like, what do you do in the second half then? Uh, although I think you probably could just say, hey, let's pretend it's preseason. Let's just go. Uh, but, you know, a weird thing, James Robinson had five carries in this game. Carlos yeah. Hyde had nine. And Carlos Hyde had nine. So I don't know why Carlos Hyde's now their bell cow back. Uh, I don't know why they're like, okay, he's our number one guy. Uh, so just some some weird stuff happened. But again, he played like a rookie in his first game. I'm not going to panic necessarily. I also want to say, uh, Terod Taylor played well. It, it wasn't just, it was against the Jaguars. That's a factor. But on top of that, I thought he played well. Yeah, I mean, he played well. Brandon Cooks played well. Uh, you mm. got to feel pleased about that stuff if you're a Texans fan. Um, you know, you had some good things working for you today, and that's obviously something you take into next week. I don't know how sustainable this is. This is probably the two worst teams in football, so you take all of it with a grain of salt. But you got the win in this. You know, there's people telling saying you weren't going to win a game this season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Lawrence is, I guess I'll put it this way. If a guy looks like just helpless back there and you can't do anything, I think you're concerned. You at mm-hmm. least saw the explosive plays and the nice throws in this game. There were some mistakes. I mean, there were a lot of mistakes in this game, not some. There was a mm-hmm. lot of mistakes in this game from him, but you also saw the good along with the bad. And it's basically, you know, as long as he doesn't turn into Jameis and just say there's always going to be good and bad and gets rid of some of the bad stuff, you feel pleased with it overall. Yeah, maybe he should be Jameis. I mean, how well he played in New Orleans, you know, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Maybe that's that's the goal. Yeah, I guess so. You know, never mind. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go on. Let's move on to Jameis's former team. This was the the season opener. Uh, Cowboys, Buccaneers. Kyle, we were both very down on this game when we were previewing it, saying, what is the NFL doing making this the season opener? This ended up being just just an awesome game. I mean, this was one of the all-time season openers and uh, just a blast to watch. Yeah. I mean, it was a really good game and I, I caught glimpses of the first half, watched the second half. Cause I was at a football game covering um, that, but I ended up rewatching it and it was just fantastic play. I thought overall, um, 
I guess I'll give you the reins with this one first. Uh, talk about your team. Talk about the Bucks and what you saw in week one. Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, when I talk about games are one on the outside right now, this is exactly what I mean. I mean, you, you, know, you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, everyone talks about their great defensive line. Well, I didn't do too good against the Cowboys, right? Uh, because, you know, they were eight. I think a lot of it was just the fact that uh, they had some injuries in the secondary. That was a big part. And also Dallas just has good receiving cores. I think the real thing to talk about with this team is just how do you stop Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski? Like, how do you stop this plethora of receivers? I just don't, I don't know if you can. And I think that's why this offense is really scary and why this team is, you know, has a really good chance of repeating. I mean, if Rob Gronkowski is going to have eight catches on eight targets every game uh-huh. and, you know, two tutties every game, then this seems impossible to stop. I mean, right. Brown was really good in this game, especially the long ball. That route was just seamless. I mean, we're still like less than three years removed from Antonio Brown being the best receiver in football and on pace to be one of the top three or four receivers of all time. And this is their third receiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, so... With is having, he though? At I this mean, point, yeah, he, was, he could be receiver depth, one. I mean, on the depth chart, he was listed as basically receiver three. But sure, I mean, mm-hmm. overall, I think so. I'll, I'll go with the Bucks. I think yes, the game is one on the outside. That being said, Vitavea was really good in this game and is uh, doing his job and especially yeah. stopping the run uh, and even getting in the backfield a few times and just pushing guys back. Um, so you feel good about that? I think the secondary. You know, this was a secondary I still kind of liked as a young secondary getting better. Uh, they definitely took some took some lumps in this game, but at the same time, I just think this Dallas passing game is going to, you know, put stress on a lot of secondaries this season. So, you know, I think you feel pretty good about it, but at the same time, obviously you made some mistakes. Um, yeah, and I mean, on the Dallas side, you have to feel good about a few different things, but what else did you see from Tampa? Yeah, uh, I mean, guess to wrap up the Buccaneers thing, I thought, you know, again, there were some bad mistakes, right? Those couple of uh, the fumble immediately met up with the uh, tip pass for an interception. So I know a lot of people are t- talking about the missed field goals on Dallas's end. On one hand, I say field goal kicking is part of the game. That doesn't mean that that doesn't count. Uh, and I would also say that, uh, you know, Tampa Bay had some flukiness on their own. And uh, I would like to see the defense play a little bit better. I think that's still fair to say. I, I I think Todd Bowles does get a bit too creative for his own good at times. I thought he did that in this game. But yeah, I mean, as a whole, I, I feel about the same as I felt about. I was nervous. I was actually very nervous during this game. You know, uh, surprisingly nervous because it's like it's a regular season game. If we lose, it's not a big deal. But I was like freaking out during the game. I was very happy when we made that field goal. I was fully expecting us to, you know, I believe in the exact words were don't Matt Gay it up. Because uh, I'm just, I have the, you know, the PTSD from so many of Patriot-like losses with my team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, I think it was right to be a little nervous. I mean, I as soon as I saw Brady take the field with, you know, that minute plus left, I'm like, all right, Tampa wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, that's just what I'm used to, I guess, on my side of that thing. I, um, I'm still not, I'm used to Jameis Winston coming in and throwing a pick six. That's what I'm used to. Uh, yeah, I mean... What there might have been a push off, but at the same time, that's not called very often. So at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, I, we're going to criticize Godwin for it because we have it in slow mo. Um, right, you know, it's hardly ever called. So I, I'm sorry. Uh, I think you know, I still feel good about Tampa. I like that they end in the running game. Uh, I don't think Fournette's going to make that mistake with the tip pass every time. I mean, that was right in his hands. So I, I hardly expect that to happen again. 
I'll go to the Dallas side here now because I think we hit Tampa. Uh, yeah, Brady looked awesome, uh, and the receivers looked awesome. All right, Dallas we should have mentioned side. that Brady was like the best we've seen him in years. But yeah, anyways, uh, go yeah. on. So Dallas side, Dak Prescott looked really good, and you have to feel really good about that. He looked like he could move a little bit. He took some hits and came up. He made some really good throws. Uh, you know, you can criticize maybe if the downfield passing wasn't great, but at the same time, for a guy who hadn't played football in basically twelve months. It was it was a good performance, I thought. Good performance overall. Amari Cooper was obviously awesome. CeeDee Lamb was awesome. And I think the biggest takeaway from Dallas that you have to take what that you look at this game and feel good about Trayvon Diggs looks like a real guy now. You know, mm-hmm. I thought he had some flashes as a rookie and also, you know, some bad moments as a rookie. He looked like a real guy defending Mike Evans. And while I still don't think it's a great secondary, having that number one corner goes a long way to helping you. And Diggs looked really good. Yeah, we've seen that when Evans can't use that big size of his, it becomes less of an advantage. So having a, a 6-2 corner, could, that was really a good matchup. And again, that's the classic Marshawn Lattimore against Evans thing. So uh, so yeah, I thought he played very well. Also, uh, one thing that, you know, I made a whole video on this. I thought that, uh, well, shoot, now I'm, blank, I'm blanking on his, uh, uh, Micah Parsons. I thought that Micah Parsons was actually good. I think that there was a couple of plays that they talked about on the broadcast that made it seem like he was bad. To me, they were both slight rookie mistakes. I got, he bit a little bit too hard on a play action, and he was a little bit slow on a switch. And uh, I thought it was man; it was actually zone coverage. Other than that, like I thought he played really well. He's very good in the running game. Like I, I thought it was weird that everyone acted like he was a mess when he. Was, I thought he was actually uh, pretty good and made a couple of rookie mistakes. I mean, I thought he was good too, and I thought he was good. Based on the perspective or the expectations that if you make zero mistakes playing against Tom Brady in this Tampa Bay offense, <laughs> right. I would say you're going to the Hall of Fame in your first game of your NFL <laughs> yeah, career. Yeah, it's Ray Lewis. You know, yeah, I, I thought he was fine, but at the same mm-hmm. time, you're also going against Brady in this offense. So, of course, they're going to make you, you know, throw some things at you you probably haven't seen before. I thought he made some. I thought he made some good plays and made some, uh, you know, showed his athleticism in this game. I thought he was fine. Yeah. All right. Um, let's move on. So we got we've got a still still got a few games left. And one, two, three, four, five, six. I think about seven games left. So uh, I know we're getting a little bit late. I can stay up as late as possible. If you have to go to bed or anything, we can review a couple next week, or I can even review them uh, on my own. But let's go to the. So just let me know if, if you want to do that. Okay. Good. Uh, and I'm not sure how long we'll take on some of these. Let's talk about the Chargers balls. Uh. This was unfortunate. I mean, the Ryan Fitzpatrick, like, we, there's no getting around it. That's the biggest storyline to me. I just feel so bad for Fitz. I mean, he he was finally getting a start on a good team and to go down in week one, that just that just sucks. Yeah, I mean, that was really unfortunate. So uh, it, mm-hmm. it really sucked that he was going down. And, um, you know, there was a lot of expectations for this Balls team. I still thought they looked pretty good at times. I thought Taylor Heineken even made some good throws. Obviously, the touchdown pass was impressive. Terry McLaurin made one of the best catches I've ever seen. Like, I don't know yeah. how he even saw the ball. It was <laughs> it was a it was a horrible pass by Heineken. Like Heineken yeah. thought played solid. I mean, it was he was there was a huge gap in that. I think it was cover two, a huge gap, and he like just lobs it up there. Like he's trying to you know uh, hit a bird up there or something, and then yeah, incredible catch. Yeah, I mean, it was really good. This just it turned into though with two teams that I thought played really well and had some good things going for them, it almost turned into this thing where it's like these teams just want to have the most unfortunate turnover to lose this game. You know, mm-hmm. Los Angeles gets down to the red zone twice and turns it over. Now, granted, that fumble thing was really weird. 
Um, yeah. I don't really know how I feel about it. I don't have an opinion. If you have an opinion, you can, you know, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I, I, I thought that I understand why they called it that way. It was one of those weird situations where it's like, this is something that when they invented football, this isn't a thing they realized was going to be a factor in it. This is why they created a tuck rule because they didn't want these weird issues to happen. Uh, I kind of thought that like they called it a fumble on the field, keep it as a fumble. But yeah, it's definitely not in the spirit of the rule, but I think by letter of the law, it probably should have been a fumble. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought, I thought besides that, Herbert played pretty well. The pick was bad, but obviously I think it played pretty well. But he had these two, two turnovers. But right after it, Antonio Gibson coughs it up in his own territory inside uh-huh. the red zone. You know, and Chargers go in and get the, uh, you know, get the score. So it was just like two teams that I both really like. I want both of these teams to be successful because I like these teams. I like these rosters. I like watching these two teams play. Just, you know, a couple of mistakes on both sides. And it's like, does anybody want to win this game? But overall, you know, you, you take some of the good. There was some bad in this game. And I think it'll be cleaned up after week one. Yeah. For Herbert, he had, he was, uh, you know, bulk numbers look good at 337 yards. Although on 47 attempts, the efficiency not as good. One touchdown, one interception. But I also thought he played better than those numbers would show. There were some drops as well. So I thought Herbert played well. Um, I, I thought this Washington football. Excuse me. I thought this Washington football team defense played very well as well. What it just came down to was they couldn't get enough going on offense, really, especially you know down the stretch. And again, it's not like Fitzpatrick was doing great either before he got hurt. But it did feel like they really could have used someone in that fourth quarter to push the ball down the field to take some chances, and they just didn't have that. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how he how he goes with this hip. I still feel good about both of these teams, though, even with the late game mistakes. You know. I still feel good about this team. I thought Antonio Gibson was good up until that fumble. And like you said, I thought, you know, despite the couple of turnovers, I thought Herbert was really good too. So, you know, I still feel good about these teams, and I'm excited to watch both of these teams going forward. Yeah, all right. So we'll move on to Steelers-Bills. Uh, we got the – this one was, again, my mentions blowing up after on Twitter or whatever you call it well after TJ Watt and it wasn't even a good sack it was uh Cam Hayward comes in blows up the play Watt gets clean gets beat clean off the line comes in gets a sack whatever uh defensive line did play well I thought their secondary was incredible in this game and again you know they got a blocked punt Steelers uh find a way to win this one yeah I mean they played well I mean look JJ, not JJ, TJ Watt. I mean, JJ Watt played well too this week, but TJ Watt also played really well this week. Uh, you know, he got five hits on the quarterback, I think, in the game, and he made an influence, and it was a good win for the Steelers. I thought the uh, I thought the coverage, like you said, was really good in this game, which was surprising based on some of the guys, you know, they mm-hmm. hadn't covered in that. I thought that was the weakness of this defense. They, they held strong against Buffalo. Um, I thought, you know, Steelers feel really good. My guy, Deontay Johnson, made the big catch in the end zone, corner of the end zone. I really like what he did today. Yeah, that was and, crazy. Uh, yeah, it was a very good catch. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I was impressed with Pittsburgh overall. I mean, this was one of those games where it felt like the line was too high, and then Pittsburgh looked so bad for a half, it seemed like, on offense. And then things just started working in their favor. You know, they got the running game moving. The, they couldn't get anything going in the first half on the ground. And then they finally hit a few plays. They got some running game going. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, the, the Bills are out. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I mean, absolutely. It, the funniest thing is, so I've weirdly become like the biggest Steelers hater, despite the fact that like I bet on the Steelers on this game to cover the spread. Uh, so it was it was a very uh, funny, like 
I made a video about it and everyone's like, haha, take that Jackson, but you're enjoying eating that crow now. I'm like, wait a second. Well, I had to, I had the Steelers making the playoffs. Like I'm pretty high on the Steelers compared to most people. What, where, when did this happen? Uh, I'm talking about myself and not about the game because I'm selfish. Yeah, it's okay. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go to the other side though. I, I have some concerns about the bills here. Do you want me to go into this? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So I guess I'll start with one thing. Um, I understand why they do what they do on offense with throwing the ball a billion times, Mm -hmm. but should they do what they do? (laughs) Cause it's Mm -hmm. just like, I mean, it it almost makes it easier on the coverage to just say, okay, well, we're dropping back again. You know, you know, Singletary is not the 32nd worst starting running back in the NFL and your offensive line is not the 32nd worst offensive line in the NFL. Should you work to establish a running game at least a little bit? It just seems like immediately abandoning it before the game even starts is somewhat of a mistake. I understand it's a passing league. Wide receivers are highly influential on the game, but it just seems like taking away half of your game before it even starts is not the recipe for success. Uh, No, I think it's smart. I think it's the right decision. Uh, The Steelers have had a great run defense for several years now, and I I see no reason why that would be any different. Although they did have some success, uh, you know, with Devin Singletary. Uh, He ends up with, again, 11 carries on 72 yards. It's a small sample size. You know, a couple big runs can completely change that so uh and then josh allen ended up with nine rushes of his own so yeah i i I guess i get it but it's like you know i kind of felt similar to how i felt about the and again it didn't end up working but i feel like there was some stuff like allen missed a wide open deep shot that would have been touchdown he makes that then it's a different game uh you know cole beasley dropped a pass that was right in his hands he makes that catch a different game there was even a you know stefan diggs wanted a pass interference that was deep down the field didn't get that call uh, I didn't see, to me, I thought it was a fine call, but, um, I, I think maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering actually. Uh, but, uh, but regardless, if he gets that called, it's a different game. So I, I think it's very easy to say that, but after one game, I think they probably had the right game plan going in of, Hey, let's attack what this team's weakness probably is, which is coverage. They just didn't expect Pittsburgh to all of a sudden cover really well. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. So we'll, we'll see what happens with this. I think you still feel pretty good overall, but at the same time, you you know, this is a game that you were favored to win by a lot and didn't look particularly good on offense after, you know, being really good on offense last season. I thought there were some mistakes in this game. Like you said, Allen, I thought he missed a couple deep shots. Maybe I'm thinking about another one, but... You might be you know, right. I think, uh, you know, that's one thing that I noticed too. It was like, this was a guy who was obviously really good, um, you know, he was really good last season with his deep ball. It was much improved based on the years before. And then it kind of seemed like it wasn't as good in this one. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with it. But, I mean, just overall, though, talking about that again. So, it was like they had a drive. I think it was in the third quarter or the fourth quarter. I think it was the beginning of the fourth, actually. Let me pull it. Okay, I got it right here. So, it was like Devin Singletary went for a 50-yard run. Then he had another big run in the on the drive. And then it was like... They got down to the 10 yard line. He had two big more, two more big runs. So 50 yard, 15, 25 yard run. Then it was immediately first and goal. Josh Allen up the middle for two yards. Devin Singletary on second and goal from the eight, a three yard run. And then a short pass that, you know, was actually fumbled. So it was just like, okay, you, you have these huge running plays that get you down to the 10 yard line. And then you immediately go back to not giving Singletary the ball. Don't you want to establish that a little bit more? maybe i mean i don't know i it it, it comes down i would still say no i would say i'm always in favor of 
because what are we what are we gaining by by running the ball more? I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers play zone, so it's not like you're getting them in a different coverage that they're not used to by running the ball. Uh, and so you all you're really doing is setting up a play action. Well, that's not really a huge part of their game. They like to take the top off the defense and things like that. I just don't think it's I I don't think it's worth the losing downs of you know you run on first down. Great, now it's you know second and even if even if it's a solid run, it's second and six. I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens with them, but I mean, I, I'm still thinking that this offense can be good, but I think there was some concerns, especially the deep balls that, you know, he was hitting those last year and we'll see if he gets back to hitting those this year, but obviously you missed him in this one. Yeah. I'm not concerned. He, he had a couple of bad games last. I, I'm not willing to, I think he had a back. And again, if there isn't that blocked punt due to Steelers win this game, I don't know if they do. So it was, Again, the offense didn't play well for Pittsburgh or for well for either team really, but for Buffalo, the offense didn't play well. I'm willing to give the credit to Pittsburgh, like you know, mostly and put some blame on Buffalo. Yeah, these two teams still look like playoff teams to me, though, right? Yeah, I absolutely think so. Although I would also kind of say, uh, you know, I had Buffalo as a as a number four seed. That's how they feel to me. I don't know if they don't feel as of right now like they're up there with Kansas City and with Cleveland for me. Yeah, I picked them to win the Super Bowl, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's right. I forgot about that. Uh, all right, well, let's move on. Um, I hate the Jets. I, I had to root for the Jets for one game, and it was a miserable experience. I'm never doing it again. The Jets are just just the worst. Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually had a fair amount into this game because I'm in a 2QB fantasy league, so Zach Wilson was my second quarterback in this one. Okay, my and- condolences. Oh my! I mean, he actually ended up bouncing back and having a pretty good game. Uh-huh. Oh my god, those people around him are just horrible. It, it, it's insane. It's insane. I mean, I mean Cor- Corey Davis had an okay day- game, and he was a savior <laughs> for him. I mean, literally anyone besides Corey Davis has to find a way to show up. He had some throws. Now, I think I, I was really impressed with Mac, and I think he was the best rookie of the day, but. I thought Wilson's numbers don't give him the credit of how he actually looked. The interception to Zach Thompson was a bad throw. He, I think, mm-hmm. underestimated Zach Tom- or Shaq Thompson's athleticism on that play and thought he could get it over him. He he misjudged it. It was a bad throw. But he also had like three or four bombs that, like he had one that went right through Elijah Moore's arms. And yeah. I mean... Uh, he had a earlier those... he had another deep shot that was like it wasn't like right through someone's arm but it was like that it could have been caught i think that was by Corey davis it was like that's yeah. something that like you know you have a good receiver not even like a top 10 rec- like, like kenny galladay makes that catch consistently yeah i mean i was impressed with wilson in this game uh despite you know it's not great numbers but i thought you know he could have easily had like six or seven more completions he had some missed throws but Lance, again, in your first NFL start, if you're perfect, I'm writing you into the Hall of Fame. And this is, right. I think, a decent Panthers defense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought there was there was some mistakes and there were some bad throws, especially the interception, but there were some missed ones there too. But there was also some really good throws in this game, and that's what you have to be excited about. You just need somebody else to show up because Corey Davis is obviously good at what Corey Davis does, but they need someone who can be a deep threat. They need someone who can, you know, make some plays, you know, with some athleticism. And it just seems like the Jets don't have that right now. They look bad. Yeah, I think one concern that Jets fans might have is 
if you replace the words Zach Wilson and Sam Darnold, it's sounding very similar to what they said last year. And I guess the difference is that was year three, Sam Darnold. This is game one, Zach Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some throws from Wilson that I thought were better than Darnold, but at the same time, yeah, overall, it's kind of the same story once again. And now Mekhi Becton, they think is going to be out for mm-hmm. a long time. And it's just like, all right, so what do we, what do we do now with this team? It's just like, I, I think, you know, you know, you mentioned him as rookie of the year and, you know, 31 touchdowns potentially. And I think he has the talent to do it. Right. It just seems like this team's going to limit him from having that sort of success. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I completely, uh, I didn't think the offense around him would be good. I, I didn't realize they would be this atrocious. I think I, I sort of, which I should have, but you know, I thought it's like, yeah, you know, guys like Denzel Mims, it's like, okay, you know, Elijah Moore who ends up with one catch for negative three yards. So uh, you know, not a, exactly a great rookie performance for him. Uh, it just, it, it was very frustrating and people kept blaming the offensive line, but this is the classic example of when the O-line gets the blame for the receiving core's mistakes when no one's getting open. I thought Wilson held on to the ball a bit too much at times, which is again, it's a classic rookie mistake. I've never seen a rookie not make that mistake. So I'm not concerned about it uh, long-term at least, but you know, when no one's getting open, it's like, there's just, you can't win if no one's getting open. Like no one has ever won a football game without receivers getting open, and and that's just the frustration for uh, for me to watch as a big Zach Wilson fan. Is you know it's similar to I'm sure how big Sam how Darnold fans felt, which you know we can talk about now if you want to. That's uh, or do you want to have any any final thoughts on Wilson? No, I mean uh, there was some good rookie wide receiver performances today. Elijah Morris was not good. Uh, he mm-hmm. had four targets, and I'm pretty sure three of them are drops. At least two mm-hmm. of them were. Um, so, I mean, I think he'll get better. He still has talent. Like, that deep ball that he dropped, like I said, he he he, had, he did the hard work, which was getting open. He just didn't catch the ball. And it was right on the money, too. Mm-hmm. Um, let's calm down before anointing Darnold all of a sudden <laughs> fixed. Uh, you know, the only benefit the that happened. Yeah, I mean, the only benefit <laughs> that happened to Sam Darnold was, unlike in his previous seasons, he was able to stat pad against the Jets. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, he ran into his own fullback on a fumble. <laughs> <laughs> that was just such a, uh, you know, I, I tweeted out at that point, uh, you know, update Sam Darnold is still Sam Darnold because like he was looking good and it's like he does that. Um, sorry, I interrupted you. You go ahead. No, you're good. I mean, it's just, look, he made good throws. He made some good throws in this game. Mm-hmm. We'll see if it's sustained against teams not named the Jets. Um, he's got some brutal defenses he has to go against this season, especially the Saints and the Buccaneers. So we'll see how this is sustained. But uh, there was some positive here, and you got to feel good about that. And it's also really nice to have Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, uh, 89 of his 279 yards were to Christian McCaffrey. So that obviously helped. There was also a 57-yard touchdown to a wide-open Robbie Anderson, which, of course, it's such a Jets thing to have – a big Sam Darnold to Robbie Anderson pass. It's like, of course that would happen to the poor Jets fans. Um, I will say this though. I thought that he was a solid game manager. Like mm-hmm. I know that that's not necessarily the highest praise, but like for someone like Sam Darnold, who I don't have high ex- expectations for him coming in and just playing. Okay. Like that's exactly what Panthers fans are hoping for. They don't want, they don't need him to be, you know, what we thought he might be when he got drafted. Just come in, just don't turn the ball over. The one time he did turn the ball over was fourth down anyways. So, you know, 
it, it, it was a, and that was a weird play. That's not something I'm really that concerned with. Also, uh, another funny stat line for Sam Darnold. Somehow as a quarterback rushing in the NFL, five rushes for negative one yards and a touchdown. Not sure how he managed <laughs> to put, maybe that was just the kneel downs, but that's still a, a funny stat line. Yeah. I mean, look, I think, I think Darnold has some, I think there are some positives here, but like I said, if he can have these numbers consistently, then obviously you feel good about it. I just don't know if it's going to be consistent against other teams because obviously, you know, be, doing that against the Jets is one thing. Can he do it against other teams in the NFL? That's the biggest question. Um, I don't know. Like, were you even impressed with the Panthers in this game? Like, honestly, besides McCaffrey, were you impressed with the Panthers in this game? I was impressed with their their run defense. Uh, I was impressed with their run defense. Um, the Jets averaged 2.6 yards per carry and that's misleading it was actually much worse than that uh they were the run, they got nothing and again it's the jets i get it but i thought their run defense looked very good i think their defense might actually be it's hard to tell because it's the jets offense but their defense might be sneakily okay i, th- I think that we might be sleeping on their defense a little bit that's that's the number one takeaway i had in a positive way for the panthers is i feel better about their defense after one week although again how much of that is the jets offense makes opposing defenses look good is my guy Derek Brown taking that second year defensive tackle leap? It looked like it, it's it. I didn't really study the numbers. Basically, they're all so I, I'm not sure, but sure. No, no one will fact check me. He had a sack. Yes, I mean he he did some good things. He he also had a batted ball too. I thought he did some good things. Uh, yeah, I mean obviously that's something we'll have to look at a little more. But yeah, I mean we'll see on the Panthers. I wasn't you know blown away by this team, but at the same time. You could continue to say this team is going baby steps in the right directions. They still can't score in the red zone. Uh, it doesn't matter who's on this team; they can't <laughs> score in the red zone. I don't get it. But well, they don't. Uh, they don't practice the red zone, right? I, I guess so. Yeah, that's I their mean, thing. Like, yeah. So I mean, you think with Anderson, Moore, McCaffrey, all these guys, you'd be able to score in the red zone, but this team can't. But I don't mm-hmm. know. So there is that thing. But at the same time, you know, they got the win, so we'll see what happens with them going forward. Yeah, hey, it's uh, you know, the 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 NFC or yeah, NFC South mostly a very good day. Uh minus one team. Let's let's talk <laughs> about the Seahawks Colts. This was a game that for whatever reason it kind of flew under the radar a bit because I was kind of like, ah, oh, what are these, you know, one o'clock games? There's a couple that are interesting, and then I'm like, oh yeah, how about this Seahawks? Like this, these are two playoff caliber teams potentially. Uh although, you know wasn't the best day for the Colts. My biggest takeaway for this one is the Colts still need receivers. Like they completely <laughs> neglected that in the off. And it's like, you know, we kind of felt like, Oh man, this, you know, Frank Reich scheme could work well against this uh, Seattle cover three. Uh, and then, you know, that's what they ran a lot was the Seattle cover three, but it's like, you can't, they can't, they don't have guys who can get open. So it was just, that was, that was tough for, for Carson Wentz who actually thought had an okay day for the Colts. Yeah, I mean, look, there's – I don't know what this Colts team is going to be this season, but at the same time, I, I tend to believe that the Colts that we saw in the third and fourth quarters that actually played pretty well compared to the team that we saw in the first half is probably what this Colts defense is. I think this team's going to be much better when it has Xavier Rhodes, Eric Fisher, and T.Y. Hilton – but missing those guys really hurt this team, I thought, this week. And uh, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, you know, the Seahawks kind of blitzed them early in this one, and it just seemed like that the Colts were playing behind the entire game. Uh, Russell Wilson continues to run and just said he has the, 
the prettiest deep ball in football. Uh, he had a couple big shots, especially uh, to Tyler Lockett on that touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought it was a good showing from the Seahawks on the first half, even though they kind of fell asleep in the second half. And I thought it was a really good showing from the Seahawks on defense too. That pass rush just got after Indianapolis, taking advantage of of the third string left tackle. They got after him. And uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good win for the Seahawks. They did what they had to do on the road. Yeah, I agree. There's not a ton to talk. I guess part of why it kind of flies under radar is the only real, like the Seahawks are the Seahawks. We know who they are. Like they've basically been a very similar version of themselves for a, a you know s- several years now and they were that team again which is a tough team to beat uh so um kyle how are you feeling about your seahawks four from the division take i guess pretty good because every team won every team won so here's mm-hmm. my question for you despite playing the most difficult team in the you know of the four teams was this the least impressive team of the first week still Ooh, out of the nfc west so the arizona cardinals i would definitely say they were more impressive uh, the Ram. Well, so the it's tough because like the Rams beat the Bears. So how much do I take into that versus the Seahawks? I, I would probably say Seattle's maybe more impressive than that. Uh, just I guess it also comes down to how do you define impressive in terms of the way I'm viewing it is how much better I feel about you than I already thought about you previously. And then San Francisco. Uh, we'll talk about them in a second. They looked really good, but they, again they didn't really. Pl- play the Lions, and then there was that weird fourth-quarter comeback nearly thing. So I, I would say no. I think that the Colts are a good team still, and, and they were able to score on a good defense. So I think they deserve credit for that. Yeah. I mean, it was a good win for the Seahawks, and they look good. I thought they kind of, you know, turned it off in the second half, which, you know, they didn't look as good in the second half, but overall they still look fine. Um, this probably still is going to be a solid team. You know, it was a little hot takey for me to say they finished fourth, but – as evidenced by week one, the NFC West is also really competitive and really talented. So, mm-hmm. you know, if any of these teams finish fourth, I wouldn't say it's like mind blowing. So, uh, you know, they look good in this game and they did what they had to do against a hurt Colts team. Uh, the Colts side of the ball, I thought Taylor was really good despite, you know, not unbelievable numbers. He ended up actually with 116 total yards. Um, he was their leading receiver. Yeah, I know. I thought he did good in that regard. Like you said, I thought Wednesday good. He still had some plays where it was like he's like throwing the ball while getting hit by two different guys, and it's like, how is this not an interception? And it's like, just mm-hmm. take the sack kind of plays. But at the same time, I think you you just learn to accept some of those with Carson Wentz and hope it hit the ball hits the ground. They did in this one. I thought he made some good throws too, especially with not great receivers at his disposal. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the Colts go from here. The Colts actually have kind of a, a tough schedule. They play the Rams next, uh, and then they play the Titans, the Dolphins, and the Ravens. So those are, you know, starting off with five uh, tough games, which is unfortunate for for them. Uh, Seahawks play the Titans, so that should there should be a billion points scored in that one. Uh, we want to move on to, let's talk, how about, we, we talked about it a second ago, Niners-Lions. Uh, this was almost the greatest comeback in NFL history up there with that uh, Bengals um, Dolphins comeback when those two teams completely suck, but there was a crazy comeback. And then uh, with the Bengals, the Andy Dalton's last hurrah in Cincinnati. No one cares about that. Uh, let's talk about this game. Kyle, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, the fight and Dan Campbell's don't quit. And I'm, all for it. <laughs> you know, yeah, the, the numbers on this game look weird because I, I mean, mm-hmm. I thought golf had some good throws in the second half, but, I mean, the game was kind of over, right? I mean, I know they had the chance to tie it, but at the same time, like, based on the situation, like, I think, let's see, I have it right here. One for five in the first half with 12 yards and an interception. 
on passes with more than five yards down, air yards down the field. That was Jared Goff in the first half of this game. Obviously, the game opened up a little bit more in the second half, and he made some throws. But at the same time, like, I don't know, like, how, how confident are you in what he did? And, you know, I thought it was okay, but I think some of it's kind of fake numbers, too. I thought it was fine. I mean, the pick six was bad. Uh, but, again, I mean, even the numbers aren't spectacular. 338 yards on 57 attempts. Like, he just threw the ball a lot. Like, that. that's, yeah. you know, I mean, he's almost done the impossible where he's, you know, approaching five yards per attempt while still having over 300 yards. I wonder if that's ever happened in football history before. Because uh, he just, he had a high vault, you know, he had what? So he had 338 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo had 314 yards, but Garoppolo threw the ball 25 times. Goff threw it 57. So he just, yeah. he just threw the ball a lot. That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, the big thing with this game is that San Francisco is really efficient, but I think you take away from this game, at least if you're Detroit, is you have some real dudes. You have some guys that can make plays. I thought TJ Hawkinson was really good in this game. Uh, DeAndre Swift basically didn't practice all week and was basically the second running back because he was playing hurt and looked really good, especially in that 43-yard touchdown on the screen pass. I thought I thought they had some real dudes in this game, and I think you feel good about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're just not on the class of San Francisco despite making that, you know, massive comeback. Maybe this will be kind of an annoying take. Uh, maybe kind of this is a uh... – I don't know what the best word, uh, you know, kind of a buzzkill take. I think the Lions did not look good. I think the Lions got very lucky at the end to almost get a comeback. I don't think the Lions are a good team. I think the 49ers blew them out, and it just happened to be fluky where the Lions nearly made, almost pulled off this comeback. I mean, the 49ers fell asleep. I mean, that's exactly what it was. They fell asleep in this game, mm-hmm. and Detroit was able to make some plays off of that. That's all it really was. Um, I mean... Nobody was going into this game thinking San Francisco was a way better team, and I still think uh, San Francisco is a way better team. It was just, you know, they kind of fell asleep in this game. So that's all yeah. it really was. I was impressed with San Francisco in the first half, even though they're playing a lesser opponent. Uh, Garoppolo, I thought, looked pretty good in this game, like you said. The Trey Lance stuff at the goal line was interesting. And they continue to find these stupid running backs. You know, <laughs> Eli it, Mitchell. It's not Eli. It's Elijah, isn't it? Oh, it says, on Google it says Eli. I don't know. What is his name? Oh, my God. <laughs> we don't even know his name. It's just like they continue to find these guys. You know, I'm pretty sure I could get like two yards to carry with San Francisco. I think I could get back to the line. Zero I, yards per carry. I think I could do that. I don't know. It just seems like, you know, Kyle Shanahan could go back there himself and have a pretty decent day running <laughs> football. It's uh-huh. it's unbelievable that they keep finding just running backs off the street and turning them to 100-yard rushers. Uh, Raheem Mostert's injured again, which kind of stinks, but he's just always injured. But like I said, they just find another guy to plug in there and he's good. And, uh, everybody else was good for San Francisco too. Up until that, you know, Debo Samuel fumble, he was really good in this game. Yeah. And, you know, Debo Samuel had a a ton of yards as well. Also, yeah, Elijah Mitchell, he was a, a sixth round pick. Uh, so him and Tom Brady have that in common among many other things. Uh, let's move on. Two games left. We're you know approaching one thirty here on the uh, East Coast, but you know it's having fun. Uh, let's talk. So let's go Eagles Falcons. Let's Ugh. while while we're while we're regulating Ugh. teams, regulate the Falcons. I mean, how do you score six points against the Eagles? How are we already like out on like half? Of, like there's like five teams. That I'm like get rid of them, and the Falcons are one of them. Maybe number one on the list. 
Yeah, this team's out. This I'm crossing them off. If we're if we're crossing off potential playoff teams here, uh-huh. this team's they're off. Dead. They're, not, they're yep. not making the playoffs based on how good the Saints and the Bucks looked and how bad this was. It's the first game of the season, and you look uninterested in playing football. Like, mm-hmm. how does that happen? Uh, mm-hmm. They they couldn't run the ball. Um, you know, I still let me push back a little. I guess on what I just said. I think Arthur Smith is going to figure it out, and I think that they struggled with you know a lot of Arthur Smith's schemes in this game. I think that it's going to be a work in progress, but that being said, I don't know if this is going to be the season that things are figured out. This seems like it's going to be a long time to figure some of this stuff out on offense. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that I got a little bit of pushback when I I believe I had uh, Falcons wide receiving core tier three, even though I really like Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley, and the reason was I think Kyle Pitts is, a, you know, he's a rookie tight end. I don't know how well he's going to be, just in his rookie season and you know four catches 31 yards he's producing that's what you all you, all you really ask for out of a rookie tight end and you know the issue is if you can just take Ridley out of the game who else do you really have they weren't able to get too much going uh you know their wide receivers they, they got basically nothing there and I mean Matt Ryan had one of the worst stat lines you're gonna see all season uh 21 for 35 for 164 yards that's you know it's we're, he's in the Blaine Gabbert zone at this point uh, of under five yards per attempt. That, that's a bad performance by Matt Ryan. I mean, we have to say what it is. And it makes you wonder, is, is Matt Ryan done? I mean, I had that thought when I was watching this game. Is is He had one throw where he just, it was like a check down, kind of running, and he's missed it by a mile. It was just a, I, I don't want to yeah. sit here and say he's done because, you know, obviously incredible player and, uh, you know, had a, a hell of a career and hopefully it's not over yet, even as a fan of a team who plays in his division because he's exciting to watch. But this was... The thought gets in your head when he has this bad of a week one performance. Yeah, and he got hit a whole lot in this game, but that's also been kind of Matt Ryan throughout his career too. It's he takes bad hits and he takes bad sacks. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, listen, if anyone wants to say this team's not a tier three wide receiver group at minimum, name the third, fourth, and fifth receivers in this game. Because it's, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just say it, it's Hayden Hurst, Mike Davis, and the fullback and as much as i like keith smith and fullbacks it's just like Mm -hmm. your your fullback can't be one of your five most important weapons in the game (laughs) calvin ridley is the only wide receiver who had a catch in this game i know it's it's insane um so uh, yeah i mean it was a bad performance let's go to the other side because i think there's some optimism yeah yeah Um, let's let's please did did we did not we did or I guess the the proverbial we did all of us as NFL media underrate the Eagles, who we could say has a healthy O line, and actually has a pretty nasty defensive line, despite some other glaring holes in this team, has a pretty nasty defensive line that's going to make some plays, and has a quarterback who you know isn't necessarily like, I mean. He made some really good throws in this game, and he made some really good plays. He's a playmaker. I don't know how sustainable a lot of his stuff is, but at the same time, he made some really good plays in this game. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about, let's start, start off with Hertz. Um, you know, 27 for 35, uh, 264 yards, so not crazy yardage, but did have the three touchdowns, two no interceptions, along with 62 rushing yards. And I kind of feel like, so when Hertz came into Came, you know, he was one of the guys who I was very high on coming out of college. I, I had him as I believe I was the quarterback three uh, in that draft, 
Uh, and a big part of it was because I, I felt like, yes, the, there's issues with him throwing, but he can make up for those issues with running. And it's similar to how I felt about Lamar Jackson, where it's like, sure, he's not Aaron Rodgers out there throwing, but he's still a good thrower. I actually think he's underrated thrower. And obviously the running game will set stuff up. I think for Jalen Hurts, it's like he doesn't have to be as accurate as Drew Brees because the windows are going to be bigger for him because he can run with the football. And when you have now someone like Devonta Smith who can actually create separation, hey, there's an idea, you're actually going to look better. And I think that I think we probably did. I, I think I'm willing to say, like, yeah, we probably underestimated the Eagles, at least their offense, because I think that I like Hurts. Uh, and, you know, I kind of talked myself out of that this offseason because I, I sort of started thinking about the issues of him throwing. But it's like, it's like, yeah, if you run the ball, the windows are going to be bigger as long as you just keep running and don't try to be a pure pocket passer. And you have Smith, who's looked really good. Uh, I think probably yes. Here's the positive, too. If you I mean, we definitely underrated this team, I think. If Jalen Rager's a, a real guy all of a sudden, because mm -hmm. if Rager's a real guy, then they have four legitimate weapons on offense for Hurts to work with, with Godair, with Devontae Smith looking awesome in week one, <coughs> with Miles Sanders, bless you. You know, thank you. I, <laughs> you Who's know, Miles so, Sanders, bless you. Miles Sanders, bless you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Jalen Rieger all of a sudden looks like a bounce back guy and is a real guy, then maybe we didn't underrate this Eagles team. We'll see how this progresses going forward. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to take away from this team that you're really pleased with. I thought the offensive line was good in this game now that it's healthy. Like I said, this defensive line's nasty when it's on the field and healthy, too. It's just a lot of vets that make really good plays, and Fletcher Cox is obviously awesome. So a lot to take away that you like from this Eagles game. Let's see if it's sustainable. Yeah, and then I, I'm interested in seeing, like, you know, like their coverage, like how well will that hold up. And they got, um, I mean, they, they got a tough task coming up these next three weeks with San Francisco – uh Dallas and then Kansas City so and and then you know they have Carol they have Carolina but then they have Tampa Bay right after so they got some good uh, receiving cores coming to town and we'll see how that goes I I'm still not sure I'm willing to say that like we're way off on this team I think maybe they're more competent than we I think I had them as like the third worst team I think I would take that back a little bit now uh you want to move on to the final game of the week yeah especially after watching the Texans Jets and uh, Jaguars you can't say they're the third worst team in football yeah, and the Falcons. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. So, all right, yeah. Broncos Giants. This was kind of the game that felt like it had the least amount of stakes. I don't think either of us had either of these teams as playoff teams, but damn it, those Denver Broncos find a way to reel me back in. Uh, I thought they looked good in this game. Uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater had a play that, like, you know, there's the meme of like if Mahomes did this, people would go crazy. Well, he had one of those plays where it was like a Mahomes, <laughs> like Aaron Rodgers, like, but it's, just, it's Teddy Bridgewater, so no one cares. But he had like this, like, like alluded to defenders, threw off balance, like big play. Uh, Melvin Gordon had one of the more misleading stat lines you'll see with 11 carries for 101 <laughs> yards. Big part of that was just one running out the clock, big touchdown. Uh, looks like Jerry Judy got hurt. I haven't seen the update on that. I'm not sure what's going there. He did have a good game as well. Uh, I thought they looked good both on both sides of the ball, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, I thought they looked pretty good. The coverage in this team is really good. I think a lot of people had this rated as one of the best coverage units in the league, and they looked the part, I thought. I mean, I thought there was a lot to take away from this Denver team that you really like. Uh, <clears throat> the Judy injury didn't look good, and I hope he's able to come back soon, but I think they just said it was a sprain. Yeah, thank you, Jake. High ankle sprain, so he'll probably be out for a few weeks with that one because those would take a little bit longer to come back, but hopefully he's all right. Because he was good in this game, too, up until that point. I thought he was really good. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's weapons on this team. My guy, Tim Patrick, scored a touchdown. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, I mean, look, there's weapons on this team. They're good in coverage. They have some pass rushers. There's a lot to like about this Broncos roster right now, and they don't have a quarterback that's beating them right now, and that was the problem that they had last year. Yeah, and one of the things about Teddy as well is that kind of one of the issues of him is that, well, he doesn't get these, he doesn't push the ball down the field well enough. Uh, he also had this thing where he would turn the ball over too much. And it's like, you can't have it both, you know, which we'll talk about with Daniel Jones. Uh, if you are a kind of guy who you you don't push the ball down the field, you can't turn the ball over. And again, uh, Daniel Jones says, uh, actually, you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you really can. You know, especially, look, I think if you're a mediocre quarterback, you can. Thank you, yeah. Henry. Appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're a quality, oh, uh, another one there too. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> uh, look, I, to, I, put, we'll put you in timeout. We'll see. Maybe you'll behave yourself in five minutes. Yeah. So we don't anyway. want to don't want to ban webcams chat chat dot com hot girls and boys video chat. So hey, uh, gender equality there. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a little sidetracked now. Um, <laughs> we're we're at 1 30 in the morning on the east coast talking about football if, if people are here they're here for the long haul listen um bridgewater was good in this game and like you said <laughs> yes. if, if you're if you're not a mediocre quarterback or if you're you know an average to mediocre quarterback the the name of the game is don't make mistakes game manage we gave Darnold credit for that against the jets now that granted it was the jets you have to give credit for the uh broncos in this game um, I thought they attacked what I thought was a pretty good Giants defense before the season. They excelled on third down. I think there were seven for 15 on third downs. They made some big plays. Bridgewater made some big throws, and he just basically said, hey, I have weapons. I'm going to use them in this game. So I thought it was a really good game for the Broncos side of the ball. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, we should probably talk about the Giants. I mean, this was oh, not really? – not, <laughs> we probably should. Uh, Sterling Shepard had over 100 yards. That That's good. Yeah, I mean, what else? Good. What else nice can we say? They're, I thought their defense looked solid. I didn't think that this loss was not under defense. No, but at the t- same time, like you can't give up seven third down conversions in a game and hope to win too, right? Like I don't think their defense. Well, I mean, was there were fifteen total. Else. I mean, seven for fifteen. That's not horrible. Yeah, and you know Saquon was playing, you know, not one hundred percent or coming back from injury, so obviously there is some stuff there, but like. This looked like a Jason Garrett-led offense with Daniel Jones at quarterback. And, I, I mean, I hate to hate on the guy, but at the same time, like, there was the fumble. He, they showed a slow-mo of it. He literally had two hands wrapped around the football and still managed to fumble the football. Like, who was teaching this guy how to <laughs> ball control? Who was teaching this guy how to hang on to a football that if he has two hands on it, he's still dropping the ball? Yeah, I just don't – I don't get it. This guy – like, and this is another one too, where it's like Gardner Minshew goes for a six. I, I just finished my whiskey, so I'm going out on this. I don't <laughs> All right, no, Listen, it's good. Uh, like Gardner Minshew was basically given away for free, and a team like this with the Giants that actually has a pretty good roster around it, and just has this guy costing them possession after possession is starting quarterback for them. When this team can actually win this division, make the playoff with the rest of their roster, and they have this guy just costing them games. And they don't want to take a chance on a guy like Minshew or any of these guys. And I just don't get it. I don't get why you continue to bet on this guy. I know you made the mistake drafting him, 
but you can't keep doubling down on your mistake that this is going to be a viable quarterback. I don't care if it's week one. I'm overreacting to this. Daniel Jones shouldn't be a starting quarterback in the NFL right now, and you're costing your team chances to win games and make the playoffs with him in, in the game. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it's like do some curls or something. How do you keep fumbling the football? Uh, I think for Joe, I, I, I totally agree. And again, what I keep going back to, which is it's, it was so smart that the Titans did this, which is Mariota was struggling. They went out and they added Ryan Tannehill. They got another legit question mark, but a guy who could potentially work out. And of course, it worked out as well as you could hope for of him being a true franchise guy, but you know, which you can't always expect. But at least you want to have that hope. But yeah, why not? Why not you be a team that pays Ryan Fitzpatrick or something? Uh, I'm totally uh, on your side. Also, uh, I, I've seen like at least three comments in the chat of people mad at us for not reviewing the Chargers game. We we reviewed the Chargers game. We talked about that. <laughs> We've been on the, we've been live for an hour and a half. We definitely have covered every game. Um, but yeah, I mean, and they just have to look into their division for examples of this. The Cowboys went out and got Andy Dalton last year, and while it didn't help in the long run, you know, having that option still was nice. And Andy Dalton ended up getting hurt. You know, the the Washington football team, you know, they they wanted to get a quarterback. They wanted two quarterbacks this season, so they got Henneke and Fitzpatrick. And you know, he made some bad throws in this game, but. Henneke still had opportunities to win this game. He wasn't, you know, lost out there once Fitzpatrick went down. The Eagles, just before the season, they weren't 100% sold on Jalen Hurts. They go and get Gardner Minshew as an alternative, just in case. And he's still a young quarterback. There's plenty of opportunities here to get young quarterbacks or even, you know, competitive quarterbacks out there to get you a chance to win games. I don't know why they keep doubling down on this guy's going to be the answer. We have seen he has 40 turnovers in his career, and I think it's what? Year three for Daniel Jones? When are we going to say, okay, this is enough. We can't continue to lose games because he can't take care of the ball. I just don't understand why you keep doubling down on a bad decision. Yeah. Uh, well, Patrick Gainwell has a good point. Uh, Giants have Glennon. Great neck. Yeah. The, uh, all hail the ginger <laughs> giraffe. Uh, well, let me play devil's advocate. You said look inside the division. Uh, couldn't you argue that when the Eagles went out and got Jalen Hurts, when they had Carson Wentz, people have pointed to maybe that put too much pressure on Carson Wentz. Is that the mindset? Is that Daniel Jones, as we all know, is a child and would not be able to react if there is another good quarterback on the roster because that's how adults work? I mean, honestly, if you if you don't have the mental capacity as a football player to handle competition – Mm -hmm. then I'm willing to bet you're not going to succeed as a football player. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, 100%. I mean, yeah, it's just a frustrating situation. I don't I don't understand it. Uh, and once again, you know, this Giants team, I thought overall has some nice players, but when it's a close game and your quarterback's coughing up the football, you're going to lose the game. You're You're going to lose the game every time, and it hurt them again. Yeah. All right. So that's our recap. Luckily, after a few weeks, we won't have 16 games to recap. So maybe we won't be going, you know, uh, a very long, a marathon show here, Kyle. But but a fun one, I thought. Yeah. I mean, this week one, we're back. We're we're getting into mm -hmm. this, and it was uh, fun to recap some of these games and uh, you know break down some of the uh, biggest storylines. I thought. Yes. So next show you see it will not be next week it'll be this wednesday uh we're going to two times a week so we're excited for that our uh pick em show will uh reveal the scores i have to look at my at the i lost my notes somehow i'm not sure how i lost an electronic uh word document but managed to screw that up so i gotta go back and figure out what we picked again but um but yeah anyways 
to everyone who watched live, we appreciate appreciate it. Everyone in the chat, we always appreciate it. it. Makes it very fun. Or if you're just listening or watching after the fact, we appreciate that as well. As always, because I know a lot of people might be new here, we do have the audio only feed. That's the On the Sideline podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can check that out. And Kyle, let them know where they can find us on Twitter. Yeah, real quick to answer Wally Gallo's question. Once again, we have covered every game here on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, we can't put the timestamps in live, but if you want to scroll through the time uh, the timeline, we have banners up of each game. All you got to do is make sure you see your team's banner on there. You'll see their team name, uh, Chargers Balls. You know, you can go from there and then you know listen to your game. So make sure to go back and listen to your game if you're interested. Um, we reviewed every game, and uh, yeah, so uh, once again, follow us on Twitter. That's at Jackson Kruger. I am at by Kyle Gronin. That's G-R-O-N-D-I-N. Jake, get out of here. <laughs> uh, um, that's G-R-O-N-D-I-N, at by Kyle Gronin on Twitter, and then at on the sideline JK on Twitter as well. Any show updates, we'll let you know about the Wednesday show, and any show updates, make sure to fat, uh, follow at on the sideline JK on Twitter. Yes. All right. Uh, uh, yeah. And I'm looking forward to every week now getting to you. <laughs> Did you guys recap the Chargers game? Uh, very, very fun stuff. I'm purposely um, not talking about the Chargers in future weeks now. <laughs> yeah. One of these, th- one of these games, one of these weeks, we're actually going to forget the Chargers and then just not believe the chat. What it does. <laughs> I can't wait for it. I mean, football is back. We're all excited. It's okay. I forgive you all. It's okay. Football is back. We're ready to go. We're just too hopped up on adrenaline right now. And yeah, we've drank uh, too much today. I'm about to say, maybe hopped up on some other things, but that's a uh, conversation for another day. Uh, again, uh, Kyle, any final thoughts before we head out? Um, looking forward to Raiders and Ravens. Uh, this has kind of turned into an interesting mm-hmm. game with uh, Ravens now missing a litany of guys. Uh, you know, so we'll see how that affects the offense overall. And then the Raiders. You know, like I said in the preview podcast last Sunday, the Raver, the Raiders just find ways to win some of these games in the first half of the season. They're really frisky. They can move the ball on offense. It's, I think this is going to be an interesting game. I'm looking forward to Monday night. Yeah. Okay. Luke Brown says, can you jump in the future and review the Ravens Raiders game? I think we can do that. I think we can, uh, we can pull this off. So here, uh, I'll start off. All right, so let's uh, recap the Monday night game. And I think the first thought is uh, Lamar Jackson. Just, I mean, all those uh, incredible plays, just uh, just remarkable. Yeah, and Derek Carr made a lot of nice throws too, so that was really nice. Um, but you can listen to the full recap on Wednesday. I don't know, Wednesday show. So that's even <laughs> yeah, I thought, I, thought, uh, I thought John Gruden's decision there, though, I have to say, uh, I did not agree with it. I think John Gruden uh, made the wrong game management call. Wow, so you're you're really doubling down on this Ravens victory, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to do a bit here, Kyle. I don't know, man. We'll see what happens. But uh, can't jump into the future, but I'm looking forward to the game. All right, yes. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, got see you guys Wednesday, 5 o'clock Eastern. Uh, and, of course, as always, have a good one. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.